Welcome back to another episode of Wet and Dry, the kayaking podcast with Brandon and Adrian. Currently here checking in from Zambia. Bram, brother, where in the world are you right now and what's going on? Mate, I'm at Mumsy's house, Warrington, the center of the universe in England. And uh, I've got about one week left here and then I'm going to fly out to Chile and get back on the program, which I'm delighted about. I am long overdue to for some good, challenging, hard rapids and waterfall so i'm stoked Sick. soon i heard uh there was a bit of water in scotland recently right is that true man we've been hit by storm after storm honestly like the news is having a field day of over reporting but um, <laughs> it's crazy man like they're, they're mostly reporting like the the upper like channel islands always get hammered with storms you know so it's like it's nothing new and uh I was traveling back um, to Piranha to do some prototype testing and trains were being canceled and stuff. And yeah, there's there's been a couple of heavy storms rolling in. I've seen Europe's been running a lot, like Jura seemed to be have some water, so did Tertine, all of that. Yeah, exactly, mate. I think everyone's been spoiled for choice. Um, <laughs> brother, brother Tilo has been hitting me up. He's like, dude, I just got my new van. I need a partner in crime. Let's go. And I'm like, dude, I'm not there. Enjoy it without me. Same here. I told Tilo, I think about 15 times that I'm in Brazil. Yet he was like, should we go to Tvechaska tomorrow? I was like, Tilo, thank you very much, but I'm about 7,000 kilometers away. <laughs> <laughs> a bit far for a weekend trip. Yeah, true that. I love it. I love it, mate. I love his stoke. I love his motivation. That's so rad. For those that don't know, Tilo's a um, legendary German kayaker and also a full-time doctor and is always keen to be on the charge and on the kayaking grind really cool person yeah with tilo i basically spent lots of my rehab time this spring because he was always on the shred as much as possible in, in, within the alps in a few days program so that worked out really well with my timeline and i think this year is probably the year i've had the most with him and he's just one of these type of persons who are like basically off the couch would be the wrong word because he keeps himself fit paddling a lot on the augsburg ice ice canal the Salom channel there, but like in terms of whitewater and rivers, you would spend weeks sometimes without seeing one and then just happily join any any river, any run and not seem to be overly stressed because you paddled with him in Cali, right? Exactly, mate. And the thing that always impresses me with people like Tilo that have been these like high level athletes is like once you've got that base, it, you can maintain that for a while, you know, and um, always on the hikes, he would be one of the stronger people. You know, it was dead impressive, even though he's older and, and you know, works a full-time job and stuff, you know, and it, he would always be one of the stronger ones on the hike. But yeah, man, great dude. Um, mate, I'm so jealous about Brazil. Look like you guys scored some goodies. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. It was really good. A little bit of a back and forth, how we ended up there, basically, when you were around, when it was like, let's go to Pakistan. And that didn't work out. Okay, let's go to Peru. Then that didn't work out. Okay, let's go to Colombia. Then that didn't work out. And then kind of like somehow ended up going to Brazil. And uh, yeah, it was sick. It was definitely a bit of an eye opener because I often asked myself already whilst I was there, why we haven't been there before and why not more crews have been going there. Because honestly, bro, it's been, the story was always the same. Like for around 80% of the rivers we went to or waterfalls, the story goes from the locals like, yeah, we've never seen these kayaks, except 15 years ago, there was this one guy, this American called Ben, who, who was here. Um, so basically, back in the day when Chris, Ben and Jesse and these guys, Pedro, ran all the stuff uh, around, 
like they found so much gold and then after that just nobody ever came um why i don't know it's it's wild like i cannot wait for us to go there and do some more stuff because it's it's definitely a place where you can spend a lot of time and get some really nice kayaking done man i'm i'm frothing i've wanted to go to brazil for years i hope we can make that happen and yeah. and go as a as a full crew sooner rather than later that'd be sick 100 um, i mean we've been talking about any, it for- yeah dude we need to we need to book that in book for flights and go dude flight prices are pretty horrendous right now though eh yeah yeah brazil is, is was pretty bad i paid 1500 to get there with the cheapest flight oh mm-hmm. <laughs> dude i am um, i I just I just booked the chili flights and you know how in your head you have your expectations of how much something costs mm-hmm. in my head it would be like you know seven eight hundred something like that <laughs> it was like double <laughs> yeah 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 I know I know I'm more of like a the the cup is half full sort of person you know <laughs> and the flights will be cheap and <laughs> how wrong I was I found one though with Air France for like a like a grand and mm. that's what that's okay as long as air france put my windsurfing equipment on the plane and that's bringing that's bringing you to santiago yes yes it is and then i just spoke to david and he might even or he's planning on picking me up which is amazing because as you well know um no hable espanol over here (laughs) (laughs) uh sweet yeah um i don't know what to say flight prices are hectic Ah, yeah, that's right. Uh, talking about boats and, and getting boats on. So basically, we flew with LATAM, right? LATAM highlights on their website that they don't take kayaks. David's been stressing big time when I was like, yeah, let's just go LATAM. It will be fine. He's like, no, 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 no. I heard so many bad things about it. Turns out we get to Frankfurt. Um, homie at the check-in is like, oh, what's up, guys? I see you have your surfboards with you. Where are you going? I was like, yep, I have my surfboard with me. And I'm going to Brazil. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Check them in here. And then he goes like, why do you have helmets? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, these big waves, we kind of, we care about safety first. So we want to bring helmets and play it safe. Blah, blah, blah. Vega had his full face with him. <laughs> Left him a little, bit, a little bit confused, but no problem. Straight through. They rocked up in Brazil. No worries. That was actually really pleasant. Beautiful. That's lovely to hear and confidence inspiring because Air France don't take kayaks either. I've just got the windsurfing equipment. Dude, I think with the helmet thing, I would have been showing him um, a, a J-O-B video because I saw that he started wearing one of those surf helmets when he's surfing pipe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would love to talk with some surfers about that, man, because like some of those spots are so shallow, so intimidating. Yeah, and just like, like the hits you take and how barreled you get when it breaks. I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I see where it comes from. Snowboarding, wearing a helmet isn't cool either, but it's it's quite wild. You're riding like a 90-foot wave and all you're wearing is a neoprene and that's basically it. I agree. Yeah, man. I I always like, um, remember we surfed that sick wave at the Jochen Schweitzer Arena in Munich? <laughs> I felt naked out there without my PFD on, man. Like it really felt like felt like weird and vulnerable you know I, I couldn't imagine being out on the water without my helmet yeah no I, I, I can i can say i've never done that and i don't plan on doing that um even though sometimes i forget my gear but i would love to not forget my helmet <laughs> uh, i think that's not to be advised <laughs> yeah dude god i put my helmet in um 
in for one of the park jams i had to fly to ireland i put my helmet in like the overhead locker and mm-hmm. it got so scratched by the vibrations of the plane i was gutted i was like the no fresh one. not the freshy the freshy pearl white lid i was like damn it mm, well speaking <sighs> of work give me a random on park jam man i want to know how was that how was that it was like a month for three weeks of, of running around right Dude, three three weeks, yeah. So three weekends, and um, mate, it was it was really cool. Like I I truly love seeing the kids out on the water shredding. And what's cool now is we've been doing it so long. You like the the tiny little kids that we met on the first year are now like, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old and absolute savages. <laughs> and then there's like new kids popping up. And what's been really cool for me to see is like, there's like little, little crews of Grom starting to pop up, you know, they don't even know they're a crew yet, but there's like two or three friends that just kayak all, all together. And um, kids come into like multiple stops of the park jams. And yeah, mate, it's really special. I really like it. This year we had um, some, this year we had some team riders from um, Palm and Piranha there. And mm-hmm. that made a big difference um with just like the energy and the vibe um of the day you know like if there's if there's only one person out on the water it's 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 easy for it to get like just crowded in one spot you know but when you have like seven eight nine ten people shredding on the water then it can spread out across the whole park and it's cool because like um maybe this this like crew of people i think they're called vitamin t from glasgow they're like mm-hmm. scottish shredders and it's like a group of girl kayakers, rad, and uh, a dude called Kyle Rogers. And they're such nice people. And so like the girls would be like really nice to like all the, all the shy people hanging back and not wanting to surf and encouraging them and also shredding themselves. And then Kyle Rogers would just be crushing. Like he's a ninja. Um, Cam Slag is, uh, is one quickly becoming one of my favorite kayakers in the UK. Like, really cool like surf kayak style because that's what he's into and just a hilarious human being so we had an all-time crew man obviously joe was around for a bit of it but he had to take off when the um, when his surf spot was running and uh yeah man it was it was a good it was a good time but it's it, it was it was tiring for me you know yeah of course dude i'm i'm so haggard right now and I realize I realize more and more that, that while I love all types of kayaking, like currently the, the stuff I love most is like when I'm challenged on the river, you know, <laughs> and I haven't had that in like a month now. So I'm I'm twitching and I'm frothing and I can't wait to get out to Santiago. Yeah, I, I see that. Well, it's good to hear that the next generation of kayaking in the UK seems to be pretty up and running and we got some stuff coming up there. That's always nice to hear. I really appreciate that when I see the new generation coming up and doing their own thing and taking things further and stuff like that. Yeah, mate, dude. And, uh, I think I've talked about him before on a podcast for this Ollie Cooper kid. I, I think, did you meet him when he was in Utz with Lyndon? Yeah. Yeah. I played with him. He's sick. Um, he's, he is really sick, but he has, you know, for, for the listeners out here that don't know, when you do a front flip off a waterfall, it's called a hail Mary that's invented by Rush Sturges. Um, and you know, you need a specific type of waterfall to do that because the lip has to be deep enough for you to get your freestyle kayak vertical at the top and to pull the nose down and bounce and then hook a front flip off it. And I, I still haven't been able to find a waterfall where I've been able to do that, you know, or, or to have a freestyle kayak and that waterfall come together in a combination where I can throw that, which is really annoying because that's been a dream trick for years, but, 
um, this Ollie Cooper kid at his local park, the, the Cardiff in, in Cardiff, he had figured out this way to loop, to, to throw a Hail Mary over these plastic blocks. And that uh, it looks pretty sick what he's doing. When I went there, I was like, okay, I've got to try that. I've got to hit that. Dude, it's sort of intimidating. <laughs> it's sort of scary. Yeah. <laughs> I wished I had my mouth guard, you know, like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I was scared of, I was scared of either messing up the, the bow stall into it or um, clipping like the back of my neck as I hook the loop around. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, how rad is that? That like this, this Grom has figured out a way to do this trick on a park. And now I'm coming to the park and I'm a little bit scared to try it. <laughs> <laughs> That is rad. That is rad. Well, that's actually also a great, great uh, moving forwards coming from the shredders. You see them young coming to Park Jam and then a couple of days later, they're sick. Uh, I assume you've seen Green Ray's results? Yes, our boy, Caelan Friedenson, man. So rad to see that. Dude, I've been saying since I met that kid, I think he was like 11. So he was super young, tiny. I've been saying ever since I met him, I'm like, this kid is going to be like one of the best kayakers of all time. You know, like he had, even from that age, he had like everything, you know, like the motivation the, the to not only go kayaking, but also to get better at kayaking and like the ability to focus on what's important. You know, like most kids, a lot of kids I meet are, you know, asking me about sponsorship and, and I call it boring stuff like that, you know, but Kalen was always like, just trying to figure out tricks and ways to be better, especially when he's into freestyle. And, you know, there's a trick called a phonics monkey, which is, um, you know this, but for the listeners, which is like one of the tricks that, one of the more advanced tricks that I think most kids want to work towards hitting as they as they progress. And I, I when I was a kid, thought that I would never, ever be able to do it. And I was like, oh my God, if I could ever do that, I'd be the happiest person in the world. And you've got to basically put your, your paddle across you and do a crossbow 360 and then do a front loop out of it. Now that's a trick invented by Dane's dad. And it's like, you don't really learn to do crossbows and to be powerful on that blade, you know? And then you've got a, a little bit of balance to deal with for the pirouette. And then you've got to be able to loop from anywhere. And Kalen was like 11 or 12 years old and he's trying to figure this trick out. And he was like, Bren. If I put my paddle further towards my knees, will that give me more leverage as I spin on the pirouette? And I was like, yes, it will, little buddy. Go on and do that. You know, he was already figuring out his own his own way to do the trick. You know, it was it was amazing to watch how he thinks and digests kayaking techniques. And uh, even from that young age, you know, so it comes as no surprise to me that he's now stepping into his own element and crushing big races like the green race. So sick to see. Yeah, and then also like I mean, Kalen had that trip to Mexico one year, two years ago when he threw that back free wheel of Tomato One, which was sick. Threw a back free wheel of Twisted Pleasure, like really stepped it up there. And that's all kind of like next to the to the slalom focus. Like in my head, I've seen him kayak. It seemed like he was pushing hard towards that slalom direction, doing international races, doing all that kind of stuff. And then kind of all of a sudden, you see him go to Mexico and just absolutely throw down, like being high up on that freestyle thing. I assume he did worlds as well in the us i'm not sure and then now topping it off with the green race such a legendary race in kayaking seeing him come out first was just this like 360 degree 360 degrees of kayaking kind of covered right there by this guy yeah i do i don't i don't think he was at worlds this year maybe it was i apologize to caleb if you were i didn't i didn't see him from what i saw if he was there i'm not Um, sure but you know like 
but like that that base and strength that he has from all the slalom training is impressive you know and then he's been on enough hard rivers now that he's comfortable on you know trickier spots and being tired in those spots and comfortable and yeah dude he's he's putting it together it's so so rad to see um but yeah good kid good vibes um what was i gonna say but he also you know for me this was like a big comeback for him because he had that horrible unlucky accident in mexico in uh last season like november you know a year ago a year ago basically and he landed a little bit shanked out on um on silencio and took a bit of a whipper to his back and and you know compression fracture had a compression fracture in his back had to wear this hideous back brace um and then you know flew home and i think that was the first day of the trip first river it was absolutely horrendous that that happened to him and a bit of a reality check you know because he's he's a strong kid you know and my thing was always like you know if you if you've got some core muscles and some muscles around your back you know you can you can take the odd big hit you know or the odd whipper and um turns out sometimes you can't and life hands you a shit sandwich and uh yeah poor little dude got hurt and to see him come back from that is amazing you know like for for all these kids on the park jams you know because it's a unique place it's a new unique opportunity to talent spot for piranha and palm of like who's the next kid to sponsor and who's the next one to to bring up and invest in you know and um Man, I'm watching everything, like how the kids sit in the kayak, who's on the water first, who's on the water last, who's smiling, who's having fun, who's messing around, you know, who's who's not afraid to try something and fall over and not get it first time, you know, all these things. And I'm always interested with the kids that show a lot of talent is like, when they take that first bump or they get that first injury, how does that affect them and will they come back from it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely a big thing. Eh? It takes like a lot more than you might initially think to be like, kayaking for a long time and maybe making your progression because as you just said like it's the talent yes but then it's also like the comeback how much you want to endure once you start eating shit are you willing to accept that and, and kind of push through and come back through injuries through all that kind of stuff you know maybe something tragic happens around your friends and question is what is that gonna do to your kayaking you will run into financial troubles like are you willing to like how much are you willing to sacrifice to stay within the sport and stick to the sport and commit yourself to it. Um, it's a lot more than just somebody looking really talented on the river. And I think that's also uh, quite an important lesson, especially for young kayakers to understand that it takes like a, a pretty wide array of things if you want to stick to the sport and, and, and stay around for a long time and just make it your thing. Um, it's something I also see so much, just like the most talented people and then something happens and then they decide, they want to go elsewhere, like towards another sport or something. Whereas sometimes you have people who might not show that initial like crazy talent, but they develop the love for it and they develop the the stamina because they have to. And eventually they'll become good and they have developed that stamina and that will to like push through most things. And that's when they succeed and can, can make it uh, rather than just being super sporty and talented and just being kind of good in whatever you do. Um, example for me, I was never crazy talented in any sports. You give me a ball. I will not be that uh, smooth with it, for example. And I think that's actually the case with quite a lot of kayakers. 
Oh, 100%, mate. I mean, generally generally speaking, unless you're ever more and you're a quarterback or something, you're pretty horrendous at throwing balls if you're, if you're a good kayaker, you know? And I think that's part of what drives people to the sport is you're not good at those normal sports, you know? And, uh, you know, like I remember some of the most stressful times for me as a kid was playing football in school, you know, like people took that seriously and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying as hard as I can, but this ball is not going where I want it to go. And it's not my fault. you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, a hundred percent, man. It's like, you know, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And I think you, you live in this like blissful ignorance until you, until you get hurt and take an injury, you know? And I was, I was certainly the same, same up until my accident, you know, it was like, as long as you land vertical and tucked up, you can go off any waterfall, you know, you'd be fine. Like what are people afraid of? And then, you know, <laughs> I, had, I had a whole reality check because my score was caved in. No, big time. I mean, that, 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 uh, uh, was for everybody like that. I remember actually, so we did Alexandra when you had your accident and then obviously the recovery and all that. And then about what was it like seven months later, maybe when we went to Abiqua of that crazy week where everything was running. And I remember like you and me at the top of the waterfall, like rock, paper, scissor, who would go first, you won, you went first and we were looking at each other and it was like, a, like, Hey, see you at the bottom, but kind of in a different way than pre Alexandra, because it was like, a, well, I'm, I'm very confident you and me are going to stick the lines you at the bottom, but also like there is that, risks still left you will have a good line and you will get hurt you know that from that point onwards for me it really changed with, with waterfalls of like um you know the see you at the bottom thing of of like hey you're gonna stick it and we're gonna stick it and it's gonna be for sure all good and easy cheesy no worries to like hey like like best of luck would be the wrong word but like i wish you great success and i wish everything goes to plan and there won't be any freak accident in there somewhere that was like a huge reality check, understanding that the the risk risk, which everybody speaks of and was always this like shady thing in the room, but I couldn't really put a, a hand or a finger on, kind of became real that day. And since then, it's for sure part of the equation for me when it comes to running a waterfall. Yeah, mate, I, I 100% I remember that that look, you know, at the, at the top of a beautiful 90 foot waterfall, you know, like it was real, you know, it was like a real um like deeper connection you know it was sure, yeah, um, I remember. ah god man that that week was so hard after that accident you know like because we had a dream week in the pacific northwest just every single day we could go to another big waterfall and send it and you know just every day to do that was was so hard at that point and the the interesting thing for me is like in my head i was like in like the conscious mind, I thought I was fine, but the subconscious, like something was like still unsettled there, especially when I was underwater and you have that sound of a waterfall landing next to you, you know, there's a lot of things going on that I hadn't worked out, you know, but then I think that, you know, that, that week of sending with you and Dane was the biggest, uh, like the biggest the best way to overcome it you know like after that week then i felt like i was back but before then i was like oh my god like you know like i'd, I'd never been shook before that you know i just wasn't i wasn't really afraid of anything you know mm -hmm. but in um, that week i was definitely i was definitely afraid 
like deeply multiple multiple times and and learning how to like conquer that and step over it again was really special but god i remember that week so much and <laughs> you remember getting to the end of it and we abacor was the last big waterfall we had done um you know there'd been like some 50s 60s 70s i don't know if there was an 80 in there abacor was like 90 and then we just had that like relief comfort food session at mcdonald's i think we each <laughs> spent like 30 dollars each at mcdonald's <laughs> i remember that very clearly walking up to the counter again <laughs> ordering more food again um that was a that was a, a special week oh, yeah mate that was amazing um thank god that was back in the day before you could order from one of the robots you know because <laughs> although i spent 30 bucks I, because i had to order it from the person at the counter and they were like will that be it and i'd be like no also also this and this and that and then what's that over there yeah also that you know but if that was a robot i would have spent like 50 or 60 bucks man like those those self-checkout machines are dangerous because you don't have anyone to judge you you know <laughs> get you now now in japan they have these restaurants which are basically designed for zero human interaction like you from the point where you order your food to like where you receive it, like you will not see a human being pretty much because of that reason. They want you to spend more money. They want you to not feel guilty for clicking on the add extra topping, make it extra large and add whatever to it. It's pretty yeah, concerning because it works really well, at least for my case. Yeah, I, I would I would feel like something is missing. Like, do you know like the random things I say to people to like, to restaurant people, you know, just trying to make them laugh. This is, you know, you know that scene out of Snatch, the the film about the um, gypsy fighters, and he's like, yeah. "Sugar," and he's like, "No, thanks, I'm sweet enough as it is." This this lady asked me if I wanted milk in my coffee yesterday, and I was like, "No, thanks, I'm milky enough as it is," and she, like, I would I wouldn't be able to do that with a robot, you know, the robot <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't get it. I don't I don't want it. Well, if it would start to laugh, you should be really concerned. <laughs> yeah. Dear Elon Musk, please build in terrible senses of humor to your robot so that I feel connected with them. Well, actually, I just read this the other day. Elon Musk just launched his own, like, chat GBT type thing called Grok. Have you seen that? And uh, no, it's talking about humor. It's modeled along the guy from Guardian of the Galaxy. What's that, that uh, small thing called? The funny ferret. Um, Basically, it's it's modeled along that <laughs> issue, which is fine. It's like now you have an AI chat GPT type thing, which is meant to be funny. And I, when I read that, I was like, oh God, here we go. Another one. Another uh, step to this has been has been taken. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the AI stuff is insane. Man. I, was, I was doing some of that with some side hustles and work this week. And I was like, Oh my God, like, we're not ready for this. Like nobody is, nobody knows what's, what's coming other than like a select few people that no one listens to, you know, like when Elon Musk says, um, AI is the thing he's most afraid of that dude's a hundred percent correct. When you read about it, it's crazy. Like there'll be no jobs. It, it, pff, we're screwed, man. We're screwed. Well, we'll <sighs> see what, at what point they start to be able to kayak until then. <laughs> Lucky us, found our niche. Found our niche. That's true, man. The robots probably won't like water. We'll be fine. Um, dude, going. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, going back to um, to um, youngsters coming up in kayaking. Mm -hmm. Also, there's occasionally some people that come into kayaking later and start shredding. Like um, 
there's like a crew of people living around the the Dee River in uh, in North Wales, in this town called Langolan. It's not actually called that. You you'd say it Langolan if you're English, or you'd say it like Clangoflan or Clangochlan if you're Welsh. But I like to mispronounce it as much as I can just to get a reaction out of people. Anyway, in Langolan, there's um there's like this crew of people, and it's um it's like. Aaron Kendall, Rob, and this Clive guy. And I think they all came into kayaking pretty late. But dude, mm-hmm. they're progressing so quick. They're shredding. It's it's like it's really truly impressive to see, you know, because they didn't start when they were kids, you know. And I think when you when you're a kid, you have it a lot easier, you know, because stuff just becomes second nature. And, you know, if you look at the advantage we have starting when we were like nine or ten years old it's it's huge because you know like things just make sense to you you know you just know what to do with your edges you know like all the basics are already set but when you have to come into that late and learn it i think it's way harder but anyway these guys are absolutely shredding good vibes good energy on the water and um aaron kendall on the park jam i think he had i think he had like nine people plus his girlfriend and him staying at his house it was it was an amazing um it was an amazingly um, hospitable and generous dirtbag moment. I got Super a, cool to see they were coming up for that. Dude, so so rad. Such good people. So yeah, shout out Aaron for letting us gypsy on your floor for basically a week. Um, that was magical. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Also me. I mean, mm. that's like, I mean, that's a big reason why, why the park jam is cool to me. You know, it's like people, like kayakers are just looking after kayakers, you know, we're very rarely staying in hotels and it's cool. It's like, a, it's got a community feel to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I um, would say I was really, really surprised about this in Brazil because Brazil does have its kayaking community. You like sometimes come across a gro- across on Instagram or something, but never like really engage, but they have their community and these guys were so stoked to have us, there and like paddling in their country like multiple kayakers rallied to some rivers we were staying at just to like basically show us hospitality and like like hang out with us show us their place make us food they were super fired up and it was really really fun to be paddling with these guys because again it it does feel a little bit like the brazilian kayak community is not isolated but kind of isolated because not many international kayakers go there most of them kind of paddle around Brazil, mostly maybe sometimes go to Chile, but it's mostly Brazil. So they have their own like technique and all that kind of stuff. And it was really funny emerge, uh, emerging into that community and seeing what these guys are up there. And also, also out there, there's some really talented kayakers. I was blown away with a kid called Little John, John Siu. Little John is Dude, very little, but he's sick. How, how little is he? He's one meter when 50 he's... and weighs 50 kilograms. So it's really not far off a half me. It's hilarious. Like it's basically like foam boating, but barely is like scaled up. Like he's flying through features and more than once we had this situation where like he would just like go kayak over something, like especially when it was like a low water run and we would be there filming and he goes and it's all good. And then everybody else would scrape like crazy, you know, at these waterfall lips or entrances. And we were like, ah, yeah, we have to keep in mind that he's 50 kilograms and then vice versa, you know, other stuff, we would just go down and then this like small curler would take him, just throw him to the other side of the river. It was a really cool, like, I don't know, because I think the difference were so big in size and, and weight. Like it was a cool, like understanding, especially also for me to like, Hey, okay. Like it actually makes a difference what your size is and how you have to interact with the river. Like 
really obvious and that was quite cool. But either way, he's super talented. He's shredding. He's fired up. And uh, if we go to Brazil next year, you will meet him. He's definitely one to look out for. I think he could really like lead the scene in Brazil the next few years. And that's how everybody is treating him and supporting him in the country. And yeah, great guy to have around, honestly. Dude, that's, that's so rad to hear. I love, I love hearing about just shredders in kayaking communities you've never, you've never really heard of before. Um, mm -hmm. I saw some pictures of him. It looked like he was crushing. He was also getting on some of the bigger drops too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was with us for mostly, mostly everything. And um, I mean, it's not him, but other people. I think one of my favorite quotes in Brazil was one of one of these Brazilian kayakers. Yeah, you will see it in the edit with the lines. There were some wild lines, obviously. Uh, I will quote, we don't have skill, but we have courage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what also exactly happened at times. There's been some some wild lines out there to witness, but everybody all good. But we definitely had an 80-foot booth to 45-second downtime and stuff like that. It was, it was hectic at times. Okay. So that's why he was okay, because eh? he just got pulled down, like he, like he boofed it, but he didn't stop and stay on the There's surface, no, no, right? No, he just kept going. He was totally fine. This other guy, um, he just, it was crazy. Like I was, I went first, set safety at the bottom, kind of like on the side slash being able to throw back behind the faults just in case. And then I'm there. It's like so much spray in my face. I don't see exactly what's going on. All of a sudden, this kayak skips out next to me, barely has any water in it. And I was like so confused. Like how is there a kayak here next to me at the bottom of the falls, kind of behind it, and there's no water in it? And where is the person in this kayak? And then, yeah, like 45 seconds stopped on the watch later, way downstream. He popped oh. up, like obviously all of his gear ripped out of, off oh and away God, from him. Oh, did. And yeah, oh it was my wild. God. And then, you know, he's like, hey, buddy, you're all good. He's like, I am fine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 45 seconds underwater is a hideous amount of time yeah. to be underwater. Yes. <sighs> pretty bad I when you watch the GoPro and you're like okay no 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 maybe now no and then you repeat that for about eight times until he pops up it's a long time it, it wasn't good what were you guys trying to do in that 45 seconds were you scrambling were you trying to guess where he was going to pop up like yeah i thought he was behind the falls but it was crazy spray so i threw the back twice behind the fall shouting trying to get any visual crazy enough i threw the back behind the fall but it was so powerful the bag didn't go like into the water. It like flew straight and then flew up. I've never seen that before. It's on my GoPro. <laughs> like it didn't hit the water. It went sideways where I threw it and then it went up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is really not good. And then, yeah, the boys at the bottom were just paddling around, seeing, waiting to see where he was going to pop up. But he was just caught in that shitty scene between two boils and must have floated, I think, more than 100 meters underwater. Um, Really Yeesh. long time. It was wild. Dude, thank God he had some big lungs on him. He was able to stay calm. I hate those situations, man. They're the worst. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's one thing when something happens and you can see the problem and you, and you can create a solution and move towards fixing it. But, but that mm -hmm. unknown is just awful. I hate that. I hate yeah, that he so was, much. Like, he was talking to me about what he was thinking. He was like, yeah, at first it was like crazy, blah, 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 this and that. And then eventually he figured he should maybe take off his PFD and trying to dive. No. Was, I'm very happy you didn't do that, buddy. That would be literally the worst thing you could do. But yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> fine after all. But when I heard that, I was like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> yes. But yeah, either oh way, it, it, was, it led to some hilarious times 
on the water and on off the water. I mean, these guys are so, so host, like host, hospital, is that the word? Um, like really trying like to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really yeah. trying to make sure you have a good time. Um, yeah, I have lots of love for Brazil and I mean, as you know, as we spoke and made plans for the country to travel and yada and whatnot, it's been like, hey, it's really big. We need lots of time. I guess we were wrong. We just have to kind of go and start doing it because it's too big. Like, you, there's no way we can do this in one trip. Like, the size of Brazil, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's huge. And, I mean, even us, within, we were in one state and we spent 30 days, just under 30 days there. We drove more than 6,000 kilometers in the car, you know. That's one state of, <sighs> I don't know, maybe 20 <laughs> Like it's massive. so much driving. Oh massive. God. But in saying that, they've been developing the roads very nicely the last few years. I was speaking to Ben a little bit about their trip back in the day, and he was telling me they would take on Pedro Olivia also, he he rocked up to say hi. Um, you know, they would drive like four days for this one waterfall. And for us, it was like a half day drive on like sweet tarmac, no worries, where it used to be a dirt road not too long ago. So it's been it's been getting way better. Um, so I think we will be able to cover a lot more ground in less time, but less time might still be multiple years, I'm sure. Nice, dude. That's really exciting. I, yeah. I, like I say, I wanted to go for years. I'm excited to spend more time exploring there. Um, I think I would have, I think I would have melted though, eh? Temperatures yeah. were just hideous. <laughs> yeah, it was hectic. I spoke about it in the last one, but shortly basically on the website and forecast said like 46 feels like 50 and i was like yeah that can't be real and then i went out of the airport and got hit with the heat it's it was actually 46 and at night time maybe 35 34 33 if you get lucky like it was just an unimaginable hot and uh also it was the end of dry season so i was like when we got there first we were like where is the water do we just massively cock up and are we not going to go fly to Rio for a month or what's going to happen? But then, yeah, like the underground water system in, in Brazil, especially around Cerrado and Amazonas is, is wild. You have rivers in the ground just popping up in the jungle and creating steady flows. But what's really funny, so I just went straight to Zambia, basically a quick stop over home and then to Zambia. And I got to Zambia. These guys are also at the end of the dry season. It's currently 38, 39, 40, 36, somewhere in there. And it feels chill, you know, I'm like, I'm fine. Even the locals are like, oh, it's so hot. And somehow me, this white dude, I'm here and I'm totally fine. It's such a weird feeling, especially, you know, it. usually you first get to Zambia and you get hit with that heat hammer just as well. But I, I, I kind of avoided it this time. Did you, you take this opportunity while you have it, right? You remember that song, Man's Not Hot? <laughs> Man's never hot. Man's not hot. <laughs> that's yeah. it you know like some, sometimes in africa you'll see people wearing like puffy jackets you know and you're like how are you doing that how are you not melting and uh, that can be you that could be you man the locals can me. be like eh. <laughs> what is this picture tomorrow me and my puffy yeah please mate it's it's as always it's good to be back the river is still the same levels are surprisingly high for this time of the year which is Obviously, I, I appreciate it, but I also would yeah, love man, to. Yeah, man, I saw some pictures. Yeah, It's like December flows, like just before curler comes in. So you still run center nine, but it's not as low as I thought I was going to get it, which is 
it's fine. I, w- I will say, you know, everybody's been telling me like, yeah, and like low flows are different. It's not better and it's not worse. It's just different. I will say, you know, honestly, I prefer like the Christmas flows for sure when it's bigger and it's moving. So I'm happy we have more water. At the same time, it is true that there are different lines right now, which is cool to do something different after all these years at the same floor. Yeah, man, totally. And and I think like more consistent spots to session and film and stuff. But it's, you know, like that the ma- the most magical thing about the Zam is when it's rising every day, you know, and mm-hmm. and you're you, every day it's getting a bit bigger and a bit pushier and some lines are opening and some lines are closing and just that, that random magic is just peaking, you know, like yeah. you might you might get absolutely pitted or you might fly and be like a foot or two out of the water coming over a wave, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's just more calculatable right now. You don't have like the nice boily eddy lines in all the corners where you can just stern squirt forever. Therefore, you have steeper waves, which are, you can surf more, you can throw more consistent kickflips. It's basically, it's more consistent. That's what it is. Um, and as you say, you lose that like random magic, which, we love so much with most high water rivers, really. Um, but either way, stoked to be back. Pretty gutted and happy at the same time to see the Quatcha has lost lots of value. It's really, really cheap for me to be here right now. Um, basically half price. How many Quachitos to the Euro right now? So it used to be like 12 or 13 Quachitos to the Euro. Currently it's 23 and rising. So it is <laughs> oh my wild. God. You know, no. haven't been adapted. So it's like... Obviously, it's good for us and easy for us, but the local people have been struggling for sure. Um, so sorry for them. No, sorry for them. Life's not easy in Africa, man. Or it's life's not. It's not easy to have money in Africa. No, but also the, the dance project seems to be postponed more and more. Um, Do that. The I I saw I saw, um, God, what is his name now? Ethan. Um, James Hitchens' kid sent me mm-hmm. this thing saying that the UN had allocated some additional budget to the um, Batoka Gorge Dam, and I haven't had time to do some reading and digging on it. But the article he sent me, I'll forward it to you. It didn't didn't sound like things were going in our favor. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. But then also now you have like all of the companies on Sam side and on Sam side, they formed this like uh, it's not a company, but it's like a body of like representing the tourism industry which have to do with Patoka Gorge and they are now speaking against it which usually doesn't mean much right but now they do have the support from Zambian and Zimbabwean side of uh, politics so if it's going to go ahead it seems like they're going to work out a deal where they'll have the dam low enough for kayaking flows or rafting flows within those months where it's interesting for us saying that at the same time it still seems it's getting pushed further and further away but as you know, it's Africa. Anything can happen. You say this today, you see this tomorrow. We'll never know. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. That, that's, that place is my last um, backup plan at the moment. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to find a new backup plan. You know, and the grown-ups are like, what will you do if you come to, you know, if, if things go wrong and you have to do something else? I'm like, dude, I'm going to go down to the Zambezi with my Piranha Ripper and I'm going to live happily ever after. You know, like that's my backup plan in life if it all goes tits up. But <laughs> uh, it's going to be hard to do that if they damn it. That's very true. But yeah, so we'll fingers see. crossed they won't. When are you flying out? Tuesday the 21st. So uh, 10 days. Not, not this week, but the week after. Um, yeah, man. Frothing, ready to go. 
still waiting for my character to be made still need to pack still need to do a bunch of adulting before we go stupid taxes and all that stuff um so and not fun and not that fun week ahead and then yeah back on the shred program which i'm stoked about dude before uh before i i get lost and i i, and I forget it because i was i was talking about aaron kendall right and and what a shredder a nice dude he is and his crew and it got me thinking about because they're buddies, one of his mates, um, we call him Captain Ted. His real name's Liam. He works at Piranha. But when when we were at the trade show, do you remember he gave us those toothbrushes <laughs> that he had gotten from the uh, from the hotel? And yeah. uh, I don't know if the re- if the listeners can see this, but it's basically this hotel gave him a toothbrush, and the middle of it is cut out to save weight. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't know why they've done it. It's like an expedition toothbrush from a hotel. And anyway, he was delighted to give us these, and it's been in my bag ever since. And it saved me on the last week of the park jam because I obviously lost my toothbrush, couldn't find it, <laughs> and I already had one ready to go, lightweight <laughs> and perfect. So cheers, Captain Ted, for thinking of us. I was about to say, let me have a guess. You barely didn't even notice it. We'll do it lightweight, huh? In your bag. <laughs> exactly, mate. Exactly. It was just floating in my bag. <laughs> well, beautiful, Brent. Good to catch up. Good to catch up. I wish you best yeah, of brother. luck. Adulting. Adulting. And uh, yep. let's speak again when it's close to go time in Chile. I'm all stoked to hear your plans and where things are going to go there. Times of David is coming up. I can tell you. He has not changed. He's still just as hilarious and just as over the top as he always is. It's going to be a great time. And ah, I wish I could I could experience that sooner than January. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked. The whole crew has been, been doing their individual stuff and crushing, but I'm, I'm ready for a team trip again, you know? 100%. So I look forward to that come January. Yes, here we go. Friendships, thank you very much. All the listeners, thank you very much. We're looking forward to get back to you next week. Uh, If there are any questions, comments, or concerns, as our good friend Kellops likes to say, feel free to shoot us a message on Instagram. Eventually, we'll also start doing some episodes answering those questions. Um, I think it's going to be quite nice. We have a good pool of, of cool questions to talk about. And until then, keep shredding. Catch you on the next one. Cheers. Peace. Cheers, team.